Uh, it was a great year in West Virginia for Republicans. Uh, if we flash back to 2000 when I was first elected, when I was first running and trying to scrape up a few folks over here to believe that we could elect a Republican in West Virginia, uh, I was the only one that was elected and I had been the only one for 20 years. So now we have all three members of our uh, delegation. We have a Senate seat, which we hadn't had since the uh, 50s. Uh, and uh, we have four of the five constitutional officers were elected for the first time. That would be the Ag, Auditor, um, Attorney General, and um, Secretary of State. We didn't get the Treasurer, and we didn't get the Governor's Office. Uh, the Governor's Office was uh, won by Jim Justice, who owns the Greenbrier. I know many of you are, have been to the Greenbrier, and I would encourage many of you to go to the Greenbrier. It's a beautiful spot. Very tough race, but we had a good candidate, uh, Secretary, I mean, uh, President of the Senate, Bill Cole, great candidate, but it was a, it was an uphill battle for him. But Donald Trump took our state by 70%. No shock there. Our state's been devastated by the regulatory environment that the uh, President's put forward. I mean, I can't even tell you as a native West Virginian how pessimistic people have been. Hurt, upset, depressed, um, leaving the state. Uh, it's not just coal miners, it's all the other ancillary businesses connected with that. It's been a real blow to us. And you know what? People got out and voted like that. Uh, and they said, you know, we don't want this anymore. So I would say we were uh, ground central of, um, I'm tired as hell and I don't, can't take it anymore. And, and I think that reflected in the ballot. And so what do I think people want as we sort of look forward to the 115th? Well, I think, for instance, I'll use the announcement that uh, President-elect Trump made yesterday on the carrier, um, I hope you speak to this because obviously it's in your state, but literally, if he were to come to West Virginia and save a thousand jobs, we would recarve the Capitol Dome with his hair. It's already gone. <laughs> it would probably go great. And, and you know, and, you know, there's all this now. You know, what was promised and all those kinds of things. It doesn't matter. A thousand people are going to be able to stay in their hometowns, work for a company that's a great company, raise their families there, and create American jobs. That's what he said he was going to do. Now, whether he can replicate that across the country or or encourage other businesses to do that, that's I think where the value. So I was really excited about that yesterday, not just for Indiana, but for our country, for my state. Uh, you know, I think we're going to be really busy. Uh, we got, we did get the schedule, and uh, Mitch told us, uh, what the majority leader told us, no for our first name basis yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm on his leadership team, remember that. Um, he told us to make sure, don't plan any trips, uh, don't uh, take any vacation. Uh, we're going to be here, and we're going to, and we're going to have to be here, and, and we're going to want to be here. Uh, and so first on our agenda, obviously, will be uh, the repeal of Obamacare, the reconciliation package. Uh, we're formulating that now. I actually did a whip check on that. I'm on the whip team, too. Um, it looks very good, but it, with 50, we don't know how many. Um, 54 now, hopefully 52, we're going to have to really weave a difficult balance. And, and so um, there's a lot of churning of uh, good ideas on the replacement vehicle. And I know you guys have done a lot of work on that in the House. So 
uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, one of the things, the several things that we're going to do as we move forward, I'm very excited about 21st century cures. Uh, I think it's going to get downplayed probably in people's minds, but it's really going to do a lot to save a lot of people's lives. I lost both my parents to Alzheimer's over the last two years. It is the saddest thing that I've ever experienced in my life, the hardest thing. And the brain initiative in this 21st century cures is very, uh, very meaningful to me. I also have a very small thing in there, uh, but it's not small if it's affecting you and it's on disordered eating. For those of you who know people or have people affected in your family who've been affected by anorexia or um, bulimia, it is a, a devastating um, illness that hasn't had much parity in insurance, had some difficulty getting insurance to cover a lot of the treatments. So that is in there and I'm very excited about that part that I was able to play in there and you know, regenerative medicine, all those things. Cancer moonshot, it's great. So we'll do that, we'll do the continuing resolution. I'm hoping that on the continuing resolution we have our minors protection um, uh, bill, which is the health and pension benefits for our minors. Like I said, we've lost a lot of jobs, um, a lot of bankruptcies. We have minors who were promised lifetime health care benefits since the 40s who are on the verge of losing it at the end of the month. Um, so we're working that one really hard. Uh, we're going to do Iran sanctions today, uh, and then we have, uh, hopefully we'll get the word of bill out, but I understand it's got a little snag still on it. I'd love to get the energy bill out, uh, and I know Lisa Murkowski's working really hard on that in the Senate. So I think there's a real hop in everybody's step where I am. Um, I'll have to say the other side is pretty bummed out uh, and, and shocked, really shocked. And I'm going to say in closing, on election night, my son was running for House of Delegates. So like any mother watching their child do anything, I was a nervous wreck. I, I mean, I've been through billions of elections myself with my father. When it's when your, your child, your 34-year-old child, it's like you're just hanging on the edge. And, and uh, he rose up pretty quickly. It was obvious that he was going to win. So I was so focused on that. And every I could hear my husband every now and then say, uh, wow, they just called Florida for Trump. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm still looking around. The next thing I, he says, they can't, they can't call Michigan. And, you know, Virginia, they couldn't call Virginia. Remember very quickly, and I'm like, Virginia? So uh, I was really surprised on election night. Even though I knew that, that uh, President-elect Trump was speaking to a lot of people where I live and a lot of people who that voter that they kept saying, is that voter there that is not speaking up or is not showing, is that voter really there? And by golly, that voter was really there. And they came out in droves to uh, to say, I want to change, I want to shake it up. And so it's incumbent upon us to, to shake it up, to get results. And I look forward to working with all of you and and you guys over on the house to shake it up. So that's, what, that's our job for the next several months, the next several years. Well, while Shelley is talking about, you know, spring in the step over in the Senate, we are like jumping for joy in the house, really, really jumping, and it's an exciting, really an exciting place to be. We can't There is a lot going on, and really, it's in large part because of Paul Ryan's leadership. I've just got to tell you, um, because of Paul's leadership and how he um, kept our conference together and working toward what I would say, believe it or not, that better way agenda that we all talked about, all worked on, that he kept us focused on, so we had a great message in this 
it was a tough election year. You know, a few weeks before the election, or two weeks, we were on the phone as a conference going, ooh, it is not looking good, folks. You know, how many seats might we lose? Um, and so no one was reading it right. We really weren't reading it right at all. Pollsters weren't reading it right. Um, things just really felt very kind of down a couple of weeks before the election. And then there was a change. There was a shift that last kind of 10 days, and it felt like the momentum had changed. And let me just tell you, in Indiana, we've had the craziest year of, uh, of any state. Um, when Mike Pence was tapped as you know, the vice presidential uh, nominee, it just, you know, and, and when Evan Bayh jumped into our Senate race this, uh, this past year, it, it just caused our whole dynamic in Indiana to change. Um, and so it, election day, um, I, I have to tell you though, on election day, I felt incredibly good. We felt very good about Indiana. We weren't sure about our governor's race. We thought that would be much tighter. And who would have guessed that Donald Trump truly had the coattails that he had all across the country? Republican sweep, not just president and governors, and I'm sorry your governor yeah. didn't win, and Todd Young knocked it out of the park, but he had the momentum, let me tell you. I was not surprised that Todd Young won, not at all. But our governor won, we won all the statewide elections, all the way down to, I have a county uh, called Madison County, just north of Indianapolis, that hasn't been Republican for a long time. All the county officials won. So this, the coattails, of the Trump-Pence team went deep in Indiana, and I think across the country, you often don't talk about those local elections very much, but I think we picked up a lot of local uh, races and elections, and it, it was very, very exciting. Um, and so now, um, and I will tell you, on election day, one thing that Leanne talked about with respect to um, our introduction, on election day, it was cold, it was rainy, it was you know a nasty day in Indiana, as I was walking and talking to voters um, at various polling sites, um, several people uh, told me their personal stories and thanked us for working on opioids. It was the one issue on election day where actually people spoke specifically about thank you for that work and would share their story. And so um, last night, uh, with 392 votes, we passed 21st Century Cures, and it has a billion dollars. Really, and to Fred Upton, Diane Jaguet, and others, I mean, and all the committees that worked on it. It was led by Energy and Commerce, but then Ways and Means and other package, you know, other bills. Um, it, it's really an awesome piece of legislation and uh, Chris is over here. We also, I got a piece of a pretty significant bill um, involving uh, the biological threats uh, that our country faces and uh, establishing a priority review voucher program for um, companies engaged in the material threat list. Uh, those treatments, it's, it's a pretty big deal to help our strategic national stockpile. Um, and so, but, and then Dr. Tim Murphy's bill on mental health I also had comments about mental health and thanks for working on mental health and talk about issues that families deal with all across this country. It's the first significant reform to our mental health system in decades. 
And so, and Tim Murphy never went to a microphone without talking about mental health challenges. So that, it's a great way to end. Uh, we've got to get, obviously, the CR done, um, which should take us to the end of March. Um, and we're going through our uh, steering committee process. I have nothing I can share with you. I was appointed to the steering committee about uh, 48 hours ago um, as the speaker's designee, and I was thrilled to be asked uh, to be on steering, but it's an exciting time. And just hearing the chair, we actually did something different. The current chairs um, have had to come in and ask for their job back, ask for their gavel back. And that's not something that apparently has typically been done. But it's been an opportunity for Paul and Kevin and Kathy and Steve to talk about with our chairs, we've got to reset our thinking. It is time to legislate. It is time to go on offense. It is time to do the things we've always talked about doing. We need team players. Um, people who are going to be on the team with gavels in their hands at all levels, not just the chairman, but your subcommittee chairman. It's been a very powerful message. And um, so I think it's a really exciting time. Tax reform, I think, is uh, repeal and replace Obamacare, number one priority. Um, our, our calendar came out yesterday, for those of you who don't know it. Um, we're going to be here a lot in the first quarter specifically. We're going to be here the entire month of March. Um, we've got one week off in February, um, but for the most part we're going to be here many five-day weeks. Uh, but we're ready. When Mike Pence came to our conference um, a couple of weeks ago, he said buckle up. And that's exactly right. <coughs> buckle up. It's time to really rock and roll on the things that we need to get done. No more complaining. Now it's about doing. We've got to just act. And we've got to work as a team in the House in particular, uh, which can be a challenge in our conference at times, but people are very engaged and excited. More people are showing up for conference than they've ever shown up before, um, you know, attending those morning meetings. Um, and it's, it's been really positive. But I would say Affordable Care Act, repealing and replacing Obamacare, tax reform, um, talking about actually really getting the RAINS Act done, regulatory reform. Um, where do we begin? Using the Congressional Review Act to, you know, overturn overtime rule and other things that we're looking at. That's why they're getting us out of here, so that clock can start ticking um, when we return. Um, and so it really is a very exciting time, uh, but you're right, the Democrats are really down. Um, and what we're talking about, though, is we know we've got to do things in a really wise way so that we can get bipartisan support in the Senate. And so Paul is always talking about, remember the Senate calendar, they've got all these confirmations. And let me just tell you, uh, we're all getting slammed with U.S. Marshals, U.S. Attorneys, Judges. It's an exciting time though for Republicans in our states, reaching out to us, jobs in the new administration. Uh, I know that's what we're certainly getting hit with. How do we get in? Um, it's really an exciting time, but we know that their calendar and what they have to do with respect to nominations and confirmations is critically important. And I'll just close by saying um, we learned a really, really tough lesson on 9-11. On 9-11, there were no presidentially appointed U.S. attorneys in place when 9-11 happened. Bob Mueller had been confirmed as the FBI director the day before 9-11 happened. So President Bush, for nine to ten months, his administration had little to no appointees in place because the Senate was so broken. 
in 2001. And so I urge, and the 9-11 Commission, it was one of their top recommendations. We've got to improve the, the nomination and confirmation process um, because we can't have that happen. We're in as dangerous of a time, if not more dangerous, than we were on 9-11 with ISIS and what's going on around the world. And so we can't have this, you know, transition this new government stuck. So we've got to make sure the Senate, we've got to make sure the Trump-Pence team are putting up nominees, quite frankly, that can get confirmed. And so, and it's going to be a challenge. Um, but hopefully, you know, with awesome senators like Shelley Moore Capito and her relationships, which I know she has, which are deep. We need more senators like her, you know, reaching across the aisle and bringing those senators along to get things done. So we're really excited. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, let me just say some, one thing about the uh, nomination uh, process. I think we're going to be having hearings after July or after January third on the principal picks uh, by the president and, and then after the swearing in we are going to go in and uh, confirm I think that's what we did for President Obama I think they said 17 confirmations came the first day so hopefully we'll get the biggies awesome. out the door but you know, you're bringing an excellent point I'm glad you brought that up because we do have different rules everybody gets tired of hearing that we do have different <laughs> rules we have different challenges but the nomination process only occurs in the Senate and it's going to take a lot of time and we know that the Supreme Court nominee in the Supreme Court fight is going to be lengthy and um, it could be messy so we, we, we are anticipating that as well. Very good. Thank you. I mean, one of the things that nobody's been touching on, and that is the infrastructure. How are we, you know, I don't know about, you know, West Virginia or Indiana, but here in D.C., I mean, they're looking at Memorial Bridge being shut down because it is crumbling. How are we going to fund this? What seems to be the, the, the talk back home in both your fine states? Well, certainly, I mean, infrastructure improvement. In order for our country to be globally competitive, we have got to invest in infrastructure. And so our states, the governors, um, are really um, excited about the fact that the Trump-Pence team is, you know, putting a focus on it. Um, I think the devil's in the details, and I don't really uh, haven't. I'm not part of TNI, not part of the committees that really um, have been in those discussions about how we're going to fund it. Fund it, but it is it, it's of critical importance, and it is one of the priorities certainly um, in the new administration. Yeah. So I, but and and it's jobs. At the yeah. end of the day, yeah. what uh, what Shelley was talking about, it is a lot of jobs, and that is, and why we're so excited. The president-elect Trump is in Indianapolis today. When that happened a few days ago, it kind of took my breath away yeah. that he was able to do that in this short a period of time. And I think um, if, if we can keep some of that momentum going, and I think he is that shock and awe type of president, we're going to see that, I think, time and time again. And what I said from the beginning when he was running, he loves to negotiate. He loves to wheel and deal. He's going to enjoy the wheeling and dealing, I think, with the Democrats he and with Republicans. He wants to move things forward. And infrastructure, I think, is going to be one of those things that he's going to find a way. And he's a builder. He wants to build things. <laughs> so I would say, just in addition to what Susan's already said, is uh, I think Elaine Chow at the helm of transportation will be tremendous. She has such a wealth of experience uh, in, uh, in, in that area and, and certainly at the, at the highest levels of administration. So that's great. Um, 
one thing I, I was, and excuse me if anybody's from this uh, Chicago area, but I was in the Chicago area on my way to campaign for Grassley for a whole day. We had to go to Dairy Queen in the middle of the day because that's his favorite place. <laughs> and get a, um, it's not a McFlurry because that's McDonald's. Whoops. Uh, but uh, a blizzard. A blizzard. A blizzard. A blizzard, yes. And I, literally, they had to Google Dairy Queen to find out because we were sort of out in the middle of a bunch of corn, it looked like to me. And, and so we vectored over 20 miles to go to the Dairy Queen <laughs> and eat our, our blizzards, and they were very good. <laughs> but I was going through the Chicago airport. So when you fly from Charleston, West Virginia to Chicago, you're flying from, you might as well be coming from, uh, you know, Iceland because it's, it's, it's a small area. So we're all the way at the end of uh, Terminal Z, and I got to get over here to go to uh, Des Moines over on Terminal B. And I literally, I walked, it took me a half an hour. I don't know how disabled people right. get through airports, but it's so narrow. And I mean, the whole time I was walking in a very loud voice, nobody knew who I was. I was going, Donald Trump is right. Our airports are terrible. So we don't think of infrastructure as airports, but literally our na our national international air airports. I, I was just in Atlanta, and I will say they have improved Atlanta quite a bit. So in any event, I look forward to that. One of the areas I'd like to see in an infrastructure bill is broadband deployment. In rural America, I'm sure in Indiana, this is something I've worked on quite a bit. Um, we're falling behind. There's a digital divide, and it takes uh, it takes time and money to develop these things. Um, you know, we don't need the tech. The technology's there. It should be deployed to rural areas for healthcare, education, economic development. So we're going to press to get broadband development into an infrastructure bill. On terms of the pay for, you know, there's been this bill out here for a long time for repatriation of uh, of dollars back in to, to dedicate to an infrastructure fund. I'm for that. I, I think that sounds like a a good idea and uh, you know there's all kinds of questions around it in terms of what it would generate and how long it would generate but um, one thing I would caution about is that we don't turn an infrastructure bill into a stimulus package uh, as the president uh, previous president did um, in my view it, it you know shovel shovel ready obviously wasn't quite uh, what he and he admitted Shovel ready wasn't really shovel ready, but if you really look at what that package was, the bulk of that package was all kinds of um, upping um, uh, food stamps and other kinds of uh, uh, issues, which is fine. But are those long sustainable infrastructure jobs not really, and do they actually up the infrastructure? So I think you'll find uh, you're going to find pushback on the pay fors and the money. I mean that's going to be the big. Question, but I think nobody would deny that every state. I have a in the energy bill. I have my dam bill, which is uh, uh, our. We have a lot of dams. I'm sure you do too. In Indiana, we have a lot of mountains. Obviously, a lot of dams that are faulty, and um, and we need to fix those as well.